we normally have it right after Christmas and it kind of, we get rushed into it and it's always good. This year we delayed it a little bit and uh, I've been anticipating the fast. And so I'm more excited than I've ever been. Uh, today we're talking about vision and today I want to talk about redeeming love's vision. I want to talk about the vision of the house. And so what's the vision of the house? Engage God, engage church, engage culture. What's the vision of the house? Engage God, engage church, engage culture. If you're wondering what the vision of the house is, it's written here on these banners on the side so that you can know. It's engage God, engage church, engage culture. And so what does that mean? We're going to talk about that today. There it is. It's up on the boards too. Engage God, engage church, engage culture. We're going to say it until we remember it. We're going to say it until we're blue in the face. We're going to learn it and we're going to, we're going to put it into practice in our lives so that we can walk out the vision here. Amen. Amen. And what we're going to look at today is that the vision, engage God, engage church, engage culture, is just a simple way of saying what Jesus told us to do. All right? This isn't some vision, some thing that I've made up on my own. It's Jesus' vision. It's the way that we're saying that we're going to do it. Amen? Before we get into that, I want to talk briefly about fasting. Uh, the fast is upon us, it begins right now, and so from right now and through until next Sunday service, the fast is on, so, so fast your fast. And so I want to say a few things just about fasting in general, uh, different types of fast, what a fast is, and so you'll see here, the first column on the right is uh, different types of fast. Some of these are outlined in the Bible, uh, some of them are some other things that we read. Uh, the first one is Daniel's fast. Daniel's fast is a fantastic way of fasting. Um, many of you know the story. I fasted in um, 2007. We, me and my family fasted for nearly half the year. And so how can you live half a year on a fast? Because you can do a Daniel's fast. And so Daniel's fast, there's different, in my mind, there's different levels to a Daniel's fast. And so when I first started fasting a Daniel's fast, it was very simple. It was no meats, no sweets. So if it wasn't meat and it wasn't a sweet, what do we define as a sweet, then I could eat it. And so on my very first Daniel's fast, McDonald's fries were a go. <laughs> you can laugh. It's funny. You know, now I would really feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit if I pull in this afternoon to McDonald's and pick up a fry. I'm like, these are just too good to be eating on a fast. They're just too good. It's not that it's a sweet, it's just that it's, it's really not good for you. But that aside, they were okay on my first fast. Why? Because I had two things that I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat meat, and I couldn't eat sweet. I couldn't get the double quarter pounder, and I wouldn't get the soda, right? Because soda is a sweet, but I could get the fries. And so that's where I started. And so where do you start? Start somewhere. And Daniel's fast can start just that simple. No, no meats, no sweets. And then you can up it. Right? Because a Daniel's fast can be taken to the end where all you are eating, the only thing that you're allowed to eat is fruits and vegetables. And you eat those in small portions. You know, it's not about, you know, gathering enough apples and zucchini and Brussels sprouts and everything else and filling your plate to the point where you're like, oh, yeah, those vegetables were delicious. I can hardly move. It's about also minimizing the portion so that you're just eating what you need to get by. And so this is, the, this is the full extent of what a Daniel's fast can look like. And so you can, you can enter into this Daniel's fast anywhere along the line, right? And so that's the Daniel's fast. Why is it? I believe it's just broadly interpreted that way. I believe it's good to broadly interpret it that way. 
Set yourself, when you say I'm going to fast, determine what it is you're going to fast, where you're going to come in on it. If, that, if you're doing that Daniel's fast, what's my Daniel fast going to look like? And then just walk that out, right? Other fasts that, we, that are very common is a juice fast. You would drink juice only. Uh, a water only fast. Um, they, if you've never done a water only fast, some people can't do these. Um, I didn't do so well the last time I did a water-only fast. If you do a water-only fast, you have to be very careful as to how you break your fast. If you are going to drink nothing, if you are going to take nothing in your body but water for the next seven days, you need to be very careful about how you break that fast at the end of those seven days. Uh, you can go online, you can get some information. Uh, really, you have to drink nothing but broth for the first day or two after juice after that. It takes literally, if you're on water for seven days, it takes seven days to get back to eating a normal diet. Okay? More information online about that. Esther fast. Esther fast is a, is a fast that we read in the Bible. Esther fasted. She said to um, Mordecai, Haman, she said to Mordecai, fast with me. Eat nothing and drink nothing for the next three days. No food, no water. I tried this once. I failed miserably. I didn't make it 12 hours. <laughs> Being honest with you. And then, I, then at that point, I was like, all right, I'll go juice only for three days. It was a sacrifice. Some of us don't need to fast food. Fast food. Some of us don't need to fast food. Some of us need to fast other things. Some of us need to fast media, sleep. TV, video games. What is taking up your time? See, if we were to understand back in the Old Testament days when fasting was common, even in Jesus' day when fasting was common, the meal was a, was a period of time of pleasure. You sat around the table and you ate this food and you took in pleasure. And so what is it that we have in our life that we're feasting on daily that's giving us pleasure? Is it TV? Is it movies? Is it sleep? Is it social media? Is it our Facebook account? Oh, I just can't wait to go on and watch those videos. There's videos. I'm just going to watch YouTube for hours. I'm going to binge Netflix, right? Fill in the blank. What is it that you're doing that you're doing simply for the fact that I feel good when I do this? That's maybe what you need to fast. Pray. I hope you've prayed. I hope you've uh, determined what you're going to fast. Set your fast. Let me say this. Set your fast. Say, hey, listen, this is what I'm fasting for, and this is what I'm going to fast. Determine what you are going to fast. I'm going to fast meats and sweets. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do the water only. I'm going to do juice only. I, I probably, I'll probably, I will be doing Daniel's fast this, this fast. So that's determined already. I'm doing Daniel's fast this fast. Uh, vegetables only. Maybe a little bit of... Um, cheese in some of the dishes here and there, <laughs> right? Because sometimes you need the cheese to make the vegetables taste better. I know, I know, I know. It's okay. It's all right. I'm just letting you know what I'm doing. Listen, listen, this is what I've done. I've done stuff like this, and I've seen God move mightily and powerfully. People could have judgment about me having a little bit of cheese on my uh, zucchini, whatever. And there's, there just needs to be no judgment because God moves. God honors the sacrifice. Amen? Amen? Use salt. 
I want to read this scripture. It says uh, Matthew 9, 14, 15. Oh, wait, let me go back one second before we read that. The other thing is set, set your goal on what you want to see out of the fast. Listen, we're not just fasting for an exercise in dieting. That is not the purpose of a fast. Set a goal for your fast. This is what I want to see in my life. This is what I want to see broken. This is what I'm fasting for. Last year, we fasted, uh, a few of us fasted, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, a church-wide thing, but a few of us fasted for the presence of God and we fasted for healings. And you know what happened? You know what happened in 2019? We saw the answers to our fast. We saw healings. We saw the presence of God begin to move here. That was the goal that we set, and we saw it happen. We saw it come to pass. Set a goal for yourself, because when it starts to happen, you'll see it, and you'll be all that much more encouraged to fast. Amen? I was talking to someone, and they were like, you know, I've never been that much really into fasting, but, you know, last year, Pastor Matt, you said, and I'm only saying what Pastor Thomas said for 20 years, so, but they just heard me. And so they said, you know, you said, set a goal for your fast, and I did. And it, and it made all the difference because at the end of the fast, you're like, I just laid hold of that thing and it just increased my faith. Amen. Come on. All right, here we go. Matthew 9, 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn? Jesus connects fasting to mourning. And what he's saying is, how is it, how could they possibly fast? What do they have to, what do they think they're going to gain by fasting when I'm standing right here in the midst of them? And so throughout the Old Testament, you know, we looked at the Daniel's fast, Old Testament, Esther fast, Old Testament. We, took, we looked at some of these different fasts throughout the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, a lot of times the fast was about what are you giving up for your fast? And Jesus here, when he's talking, he, he changes the perspective and he says, listen, the days will come when I will be taken away from them. I will be gone. And then they will fast. They'll be fasting for more of me. And until Jesus returns in bodily form, it's not enough. Until Jesus returns in bodily form, here and now, until he's walking in the midst of us and we can touch him physically, which will happen one day when he returns, until that day, we're going to fast and we're going to mourn because we're always going to want more of his presence and it's never going to be enough. I have more of God's presence now than I did a year ago. I have more last year than the year before. Each year, the presence of God gets stronger and stronger and stronger in my life, and it's still not ever enough. I still want more. I still find myself in this place where I want to fast and throw off the things of this world. Fasting breaks the power of the things of this world that the power of God might come into my life, that the very presence of God might come into my life. So what are you fasting for? And so in the church fast here this year, we have these prayer targets. Hopefully you picked one of these up as you came in. If you didn't pick one of these up when you came in, there are some more out there. If we've run out, we'll print more. 
We're going to have these available. We're giving you the prayer targets that we're praying for every single night of the fast. Monday, repentance and recommitment. Tuesday, brokenness and humility. This is very important. Charlie said, Charlie gave a prophetic word at the end of the service when he was here a couple weeks ago. He says, he said that we would see brokenness come out of the fast. We've added this line, brokenness and humility, because we must, as a body, as a corporate body of believers, we must maintain humility if we believe or if we think that we're going to continue to see an increase in the presence of God in our life and in our service. Amen? We've seen an increase in the presence here, and Charlie spoke about this as well, and it's because of you. It's not just me. It's not just me and Pastor Stacy. It's not that it, it's you guys. It's all of us together. One of the reasons why we are seeing such an increase in the presence of God being poured out in this place is because there's, a, there's, there's developing this deeper sense of unity amongst all of us here at Redeeming Love. I believe that there were a couple of very influential things that we did in 2019 to set the course. Number one, we dealt with sin. We had our summer series. Remember that? Right? Vice City. We dealt with sin. We got the sin out. We came together as a corporate body of believers and we did a book all together for one purpose. We, we preached on it on Sunday. We talked about it in small groups. Those who couldn't make the small groups, they picked up the book too. And so this, this was widely embraced. And it was as we began to enter into this place of unity that we begin to see the Spirit of God poured out. We want to see that Spirit of God being poured out, increasing here at Redeeming Love in this year and in the years to come. And we'll do that by remaining humble. Amen. Wednesday, we're going to pray to engage God. Thursday, engage church. Friday, engage culture. Saturday, increase and activation of our faith. And then Sunday morning, we will be here for worship and the celebration. Amen? Amen. So those are the prayer targets. If you didn't get one, grab one. I still have mine from last year, Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom taught me to keep stuff like this. <laughs> what are you expecting? Set a goal for your fast. Let me say this. If you fail in your fast, you still reap the reward. You still reap a reward. You may not receive the full reward, but you still reap a reward. I've, fa I've failed more times in my fast than I can care to count. Right? I told you I started the Esther fast and I made it 11 hours. Fail. Did water only? Fail. It's not about, I mean, yes, it's about finishing. And we want to finish and we want to finish well. But if you don't finish, there's still a reward. So if you fail, right? You said, I'm going to eat no meats, no sweets. And then you're on your way home and you're starving and you swing into McDonald's and you grab yourself a burger and you're, you're hoofing it down. And halfway through, you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be eating meat. I've been there. Come on, it's happened. You know it's all happened to you. You get up in the morning, you pour that cup of coffee, you're sipping it. You get to the bottom of the cup, you're like, oh, I'm fasting coffee. <laughs> It took the caffeine to get the motor running so that I would remember. <clears throat> Don't be like, listen, at that moment, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can say, scrap the fast and I'm not going anymore. Or you can say, no, I failed, but you know what? I'm going for it again. You know what? I'm going to take the coffee 
I'm going to take the coffee maker and I'm going to put it in the basement so I can't find it tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, stick it in the closet in the back. Yeah, do what you got to do. I don't know. You know, that drive through at McDonald's is really hard. Put a sticker, put a post-it note right on your windshield. No meat. <laughs> you pull up to the drive through Ah, oh, that's right. You see the sticker there on your window. No meat. Do what you got to do. <clears throat> All right. Jesus. Matthew 9, 17. See, Jesus was talking about, they, they came and questioned him about fasting. He answers with this, which we read. And then he says this. He immediately goes and he says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And so I find it interesting, you know, so many times we, we quote scripture, we quote a scripture here, we quote a scripture there, but let's tie it together. What did he say before? What did he say after? And so he talks about fasting. He says there's this bridegroom fast, and then immediately he goes into this thing about the old garment and the patch and then the wineskins. And so you can't put new wine into old wineskins. God's doing a new thing. God's doing something new in 2020 that he wasn't doing in 2019. God's always doing something new. He's continually doing something new. And we, as a body of believers, as believers, we need to continually recondition ourselves so that we can continue to receive the new wine. Can an old wineskin be renewed so that it can receive new wine? I believe it can. I believe it can. I believe there's some things that we have to do. I believe that fasting helps with this process. We have to be open to receiving new wine. We have to lay down our preferences. We have to lay down our preferences. What do I prefer? Doesn't matter. I prefer that song, you know, you know the, no, I don't know which one it is. I prefer when Pastor Matt gets done by a certain time. I prefer when, lay down your preferences. What's Jesus doing? Embrace a new thing because he's doing a new thing. He's always looking. If we're going to get new wine, we have to embrace what he's doing. And it's going to look different than the way that it looked before. And so the best way that we can embrace that is by laying down our preferences. You know, I have a favorite song. I don't know what it is. I'd have to listen to them all again. <laughs> we all have a favorite song. They didn't sing my song today. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm so beyond having, having preferences that I, I honestly don't know that I have a favorite song. I'd have to listen to them all again and be like, it doesn't matter what they play. He's not reading the right scripture. You know, if he would have read this scripture, that would have really spoke to me today. <laughs> Lay down your preferences. It, it's very interesting. So there's a couple, I mentioned, you know, fasting helps and laying down our preferences help. But there's a couple things that we can look at right here in the scripture. It says, no one puts an unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Sometimes we need to shrink before we get sewed on to, the, to where the hole is at, 
right? And so how do we shrink? We shrink by becoming more humble. We, we shrink by beginning to think less of ourselves. Humility is tough. It gets quiet in here. You know, <laughs> it gets quiet in here when you talk about humility. It talks quiet when you talk about forgiveness. It's easy, you know, it's easy to write, write the preaching calendar for next year because as I, as I preach up here and you guys get quiet, I'm like, oh, they need more of that. <laughs> I'm not hearing any amens. <laughs> I love you guys. <clears throat> Oil. You know, one of the ways that they can make an old wineskin able to take new wine is by oil. They oil them up and they rub the oil in. It's the presence of God. The oil is symbolic of the presence of God. Get the presence of God in your life and God's going to condition you so that you're ready to receive the new wine. Who wants to receive the new wine? Because God is pouring out new wine and we can have it, but we have to go through the process so that we're ready to receive it. Because God won't pour it out if we're just going to spill it. Amen. All right, let's talk about the vision of the house so that, because this is what we're really fasting for this week. I mean, we've got other prayer targets here, but the prayer targets, three of, this, three of the six prayer targets are engage God, engage church, and engage culture. This is what we are going to do as a church until Jesus comes. And so let's pray about it and let's pray that God would help us to do just that, that we would engage God, that we would engage church, and that we would engage culture. Engage God. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus said, this is the first thing that we should do. Love God with everything you've got. And so we saw through 2019, even the book that we did, that we chose to do together after God's own heart, it was about engaging God. The whole thing on sin, right? Why do we want to get sin out of our life? So that we can engage God better. After God's own heart, it's about engaging God. It's about meeting God on his terms. Too often we want to meet with God. We want to meet with God on our terms. God says that that's not the way it works. That's never the way it works. We can read the entire Old Testament. That didn't happen one time. We, God, we meet God on God's terms. And so throughout 2019, we saw God's own heart. We engaged God on a deeper level. And in doing so, we saw, we began to see some healings. We began to see God's presence poured out here in, in redeeming love in an awesome way. And we're going to continue to see that. It's something that we're never going to stop doing. It's something that we can't ever stop doing. We don't just come to a place where we love God and be like, check, done, don't have to do that anymore. No, engage God and, and stay engaged. Because if you disengage it's like pushing the clutch in on your car. For those of you who know how to drive standard, none of you know how to do that. They say only, what is it, 4 or 6% of the population know how to drive standard? It's a very, I'm seeing hands go up all over. Everybody's like, I, I know. And so <laughs> I read recently that uh, somebody's car didn't get stolen because it was a standard. <laughs> Somebody broke into the car, was going to steal it, and there's a clutch, there was a third pedal, and they didn't know what to do, so they left. <laughs> oh, Lord. So for those of you that don't know, I say all that to say this, for those of you that don't know, when you push in the clutch, the, the engine and the transmission are disengaged when you push in the clutch. You shift the shifter and it shifts to a different gear and then you let out the clutch and the two come back together and then as the motor turns, the wheels turn, 
right? And so we need to stay engaged. Jason, did I do a good job? He's, he's okay. He's like, yeah, it was okay. It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. We need to stay engaged. If we're going to continue to have forward momentum, we need to stay engaged with God. Psalm 27. I, I, we've, we've gone over this scripture a whole bunch of times, you know, and I know you guys probably get tired of hearing it. Here's another scripture about staying engaged with God or engaging God. It says, when you said, seek my face, when you, God, said, seek my face, my heart to you, my heart said to you, Lord, my, your face, Lord, I will seek. I'm having a little trouble. Glory to God. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I will engage God. I will engage God. I will not be denied. (laughs) Throw everything else aside. I will not be denied. I will. I will. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I will. I will engage God. I don't know what it's going to take. But we'll throw everything out, and I've got one purpose. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This is, this is the quote, this is the scripture verse for this year at the end of, on the bottom of your 2020 prayer and fasting, at the bottom, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that shall I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wasn't sure exactly where verse 5 started, so I had to make sure. One thing have I desired. I will not be denied. I will engage God. I will. Engage church. Second part of the vision. This is the vision of the house. This is what we're going to do till Jesus comes back. Engage church. And so last year we had a strong focus on engage God. This year I want to focus a little bit more on engage church and engage culture. I believe that we can work on all three at the same time. Engage church. Acts 2.46 says this, so continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Daily in the temple and from house to house. And so how is it that we're going to engage church? We read the scripture out of Matthew 22, engage God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Acts 2.46 is the perfect way to engage church. In the temple, that's right here. That's what we're doing right now. In a few minutes, we're going to have coffee. And, you know, there'll be a chance for you guys to talk with one another, engage with one another. And from house to house, starting February 2nd, we're going to have small groups. And we're going to be able to gather around in small groups. And we're going to be able to talk about what the Word says. Talk about how... You know, this really worked for me when I engaged God. This really worked for me to engage church. This really works for me to engage culture. And so we're going to be launching those engage groups February 2nd. Get into an engage group. If you want community, listen, as a church, as a body of believers, I want to see it. We've always been a family here at Redeeming Love. I want to see this community grow stronger. I want to see the family, the relationships here grow stronger than ever across the board. Young and old, young with old, young with young, old with old, all of us together fighting and championing the same cause that Christ could save a city. Come on. Engage church. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another 
as I have loved you. That you would love one another as I have loved you, that you also would love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, love one another. And so this is what we're called to do as a body of believers. We're called to love each other. But Jesus goes one step further, and he doesn't say, you know, Pastor Matt, love the way that you want to love people. Cool. Because I love from a distance. <laughs> no, it, and I'm just being facetious. I don't love from a distance. But someone might think that, right? And so Jesus said, love the way that I love. And then he goes and gives his life for the disciples. Lays down his very life. Washes their feet. Serves them. Has great compassion on everyone that he meets. Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you, have, that you are my disciples if you do truly love one another. Engage culture. Engage culture. It's the third aspect. If we only ever have the first two, we are not doing what Jesus asked us to do, what Jesus commissioned us to do, what Jesus told us to do. We must engage culture. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I've got some authority, so if you have the chance and you feel like it, you know, maybe you want to, you know, share with somebody. He didn't say that. He said, all authority has been given to me. Too often we don't know our authority. Too often we fail to recognize the authority that we've been given. The assignment wasn't when you feel like it. The assignment was go. Do it. Just do it. Listen, you know, there's a lot of times we have to do stuff that we don't like in life. For years, I, I have a wood stove in my house. And so, you know, I grew up with my dad having a wood stove in his house. And so the heat from a wood stove is awesome, if you've ever had a wood stove in your house. But you know, a wood stove is messy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work cutting the wood. It's a lot of work bringing the wood in. Man, it's just like every, every time I go out to get the wood, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to continue to do this. I don't know if I want to continue to do this. But I keep doing it. You know why? Because I, I really do enjoy it. There's a lot of work involved, but I really do enjoy it. And so sharing Jesus is the same way. Sometimes there's some work involved. But once you start to feel the heat, come on, you'll never stop. I don't know that I'm ever going to stop having a wood stove. There, it gets dirt. There's, I'm constantly running the vacuum to vacuum up the dirt. I'm constantly you know, struggling. You sweat in the summertime to split the wood, to stack the wood, to carry the wood. But I love the heat. Come on. Sharing Jesus, you're going to love the heat. You probably, if you're not doing it, you haven't felt the heat. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm getting in trouble. John 17. John 17. Engage church. As you have sent, Jesus is praying to the Father, as you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for, those, for their sakes, I sanctify, sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. 
Jesus said, I'm sending my disciples into the world. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a disciple. If you're here today and you've made the decision to follow Jesus, you're a disciple. And he's sending you. He's sending you. The same way he sent the apostles, he's sending you. If you're a believer in Christ, he's sending you. Where? Into all of the world. Into all of the world. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. There's something that we have to realize. That the world is in desperate need of Jesus. You turn on the news and, and just look at the problems of throughout the world and ask yourself this one question. Would that problem be fixed if they had more of Jesus? Would that problem be fixed if they had more of Jesus? And, you know, no matter what, probably in, in almost 100% of situations, if everyone involved there had more of Jesus, the problem would get better. Right? Obviously, the victim can't, won't do a lot of good having more of Jesus. But a lot of times, you know, the perpetrator, right, whoever's the, the, the aggressor, if they had more of Jesus, if they had more compassion, if they had more love, if they had more of Jesus, we wouldn't have any of these problems. And so the problem is always a lack of Jesus in people's lives. And so we, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, we have Jesus. He's on the inside of us, and we have him to give out to others. And so as we walk through the streets, what we've got to learn to do is to walk down and say, here, have some Jesus. Hey, have some Jesus. Have some Jesus. And obviously, you know, I'm handing out Jesus like I'm handing out business cards, and that's not the way it's done. But when we think about it that way, and then we think, okay, what, is, what does it look like that I hand Jesus to people? And we begin to engage culture on a regular basis, we will transform our city. We will transform our city because there's never been a city too hard for Jesus. Troy is not too hard for Jesus. Troy is not too difficult for Jesus. There's never been, there never will be a situation that's too hard for Jesus. It doesn't, it can't happen. So we need to be a people who engage culture. And so this is the vision of redeeming love. This is what we're going to do. We're going to engage God. We're going to engage him through worship. We're going to engage him through prayer. We're going to engage him through attending here on a Sunday morning. We're going to engage God through fasting, through Bible reading, through all of these different ways. And we're going to engage church. We're going to engage church by keeping the fellowship here, by, by eating meals one with another, by gathering here on a Sunday morning and sharing coffee, by gathering house to house in our engaged groups and talking about the word and what it says. By, by eating meals, by meeting people out for coffee, by doing fun stuff together, going hiking or playing tennis or whatever it is that you do. Do it with another believer. And then when we find ourselves outside of these four walls, it's time to engage culture. It's time to affect the world around us. Begin to invite people to church. Begin to just say, hey, listen, you know, let me tell you something about God. Hey, do you know Jesus? It, it's just so simple. We're going to talk a lot about how to share your faith uh, in the coming months. This is the vision of the house. Engage God, engage church, engage culture. If we take these three simple steps, we can take everything else that we need to do as a Christian and funnel it in there somewhere. We can take everything else that we're commanded to do and funnel it into one of these three things. 
Every time God tells us to do something, it's one of these three things. We're either going to do that to engage God better, we're going to do that to engage church one, one another in church better, or we're going to do that thing to engage culture better. Amen? Amen. We're going to um, receive the offering in just a moment. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. If you've never made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I thank you for your forgiveness, your blood that was shed on the cross to wash away all my sins. I pray that you would come into my life, that we'd have a relationship with one another, and God, that you would um, help me to live for you in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen.